Welcome to the Essential Astrocast. I'm your host, Veronica Peretti. I'm a yoga teacher, a coach, and most importantly, an astrologer. And that's why I come to you every week here in your podcast feed to let you know what's going on up there in the heavens so that you can dictate your fate down here on earth. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the Essential Astrocast. I'm Veronica, and we have a huge podcast this week, so I want to get right into it. If you listen to nothing else this episode, please listen to the first two things. I am heartbroken and devastated to see the images coming out of Afghanistan, as I'm sure you are as well. I am supporting an organization called No One Left Behind. It was started by someone who served in Afghanistan to help the government get people out who were helpful to U.S. forces on the ground there over the last 20 years. So please go to noonelift.org and donate if you can. I will link up that website in the show notes as well, so you can just scroll down and tap that. The second thing I want to say is... Astrology, yoga, spiritual teachings, all of these things that I have devoted a whole lot of my adult life to are all designed to elevate our consciousness. And the word conscious, both the dictionary and the Upanishads agree that the primary part of being conscious is being awake. I often hear a lot of people in the wellness world, I'm using air quotes as I say that, say they don't read the news because it's not good for their mind, it's not good for their spirit. You get the idea. Both the dictionary and the Mandukya Upanishads agree that being awake is the primary piece of being a conscious human being. If you are seeking some sort of enlightened state of higher consciousness, you must be awake. And part of being awake means that you have to pay attention to what's going on in your surroundings, whether or not it's heartbreaking. And so these moments where we want to look away from the TV, where we don't want to open the New York Times app, and I'm not saying that you should obsess over the news all day. That's not what I'm saying. We all have to go about our lives. But even though it's really hard to pay attention to what's going on and to stay engaged in the very fast moving narrative that's happening on the ground in Afghanistan and the information we're getting, it's imperative. It's really important. And we need, humanity needs more people who are conscious and interested in higher consciousness to be present to what's going on in the world politically. In my opinion, one of the best things you can do is make yourself informed, donate to candidates that you believe in, and call your representatives and tell them what you want, and be an active citizen, and be a person that participates in our democracy. And I think what we're watching on the TV right now makes me feel incredibly grateful that we live in a country where people can protest no matter how crazy your opinion is you can go out there with a poster and you can scream and yell at the mayor's mansion at city hall at the white house at the capitol so it is a privilege that we won the birth lottery, so to say, and got to live in not only this country, because I know I have people listening from all over the world, but we are living in places where we can speak our minds and really do anything that we want to do and have incredible freedoms. And so the more of us, the more people like you and me who are interested in higher consciousness and interested in being compassionate, empathetic, loving, kind human beings, the more of us that are involved in the political process, that are more engaged in our citizenship, the better the world is going to be. So 
that is my little PSA at the top. And so I just want to share that with you and inspire you to engage in whatever way you can, whether that's donating, whether that's calling your representative, whether that is keeping the women and girls and the people that are in harm's way in Afghanistan in your hearts and in your prayers over the next few days, weeks, months, however long we need to keep praying for them. So it's been an intense few days and some of that intensity has a lot to do with the fact that we are nearing the end of Leo season. The sun is in Leo and it is approaching that 29th degree. And you may recall from previous podcasts that whenever planets get to the last degree of a sign, we get the most potent experience of that sign. And Leo is special because the end of Leo at 29 degrees exists the fixed star Regulus. And Regulus is that fixed star that is associated with royalty. It's also associated with the military. We have a full moon happening on Sunday, our second full moon in Aquarius within one Leo season. So you may recall about four weeks ago, we had that first full moon in Aquarius and we're going to have a second full moon in Aquarius. So when we have the full moon in Aquarius on Sunday, it's going to be at 29 degrees Leo. It is going to be conjunct that fixed star Regulus, and it will be a very interesting full moon. So sidebar fun facts. Joe Biden has his Chiron. Chiron is your wounded healer. It's where we get some evidence of where our core wound lies. His Chiron is at 28 degrees and 52 minutes of Leo, which means it's also conjunct that Regulus, 29 degrees and 50 minutes. I'm getting into a little bit of the weeds of astrology, so stay with me. Another fun fact, Donald Trump, he has his ascendant, his rising is 29 degrees and 55 minutes Leo. So that's also conjunct Regulus. So having Regulus on your rising makes you a very frank and direct person, maybe assertive or aggressive. And having Chiron conjunct Regulus, I've never really thought of until I saw that in Joe Biden's chart, but I imagine that there must be some serious triggers and trauma that comes up with being seen and with being the one who is quote unquote king, if you will, because the president is the closest thing, obviously, that we have to a king in this country because we don't want to have a monarchy. But when we're talking about Regulus and we're talking about Leo, we're talking about this idea of royalty and the person who is esteemed in that that throne of sorts. So It's an interesting thing that they both have that prominent in their chart. It's an interesting thing that we're going to have a full moon this week right on that Regulus. And it's an interesting thing that all of this is happening with so much going on in the sky. And so much of what's going on in the sky is really enlightening some of what's happening in Afghanistan and and how it plays into the chart of the U.S. So later this episode, I'm going to do a deep dive on the U.S.'s involvement in Afghanistan and the astrological patterns of that. And it's going to get a little deep and intense because I just spent two hours researching it, but I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that it's enlightening in some way for you. And I keep using that word enlightening because my theme for this week is aha revelations. So You know, I love Oprah and she's my favorite Aquarian and she says those aha moments, right? That's one of her signatures. Well, this week is the week of aha moments or aha revelations. And we have Uranus stationing to retrograde and Uranus is a revolutionary planet, but it's also a planet of those aha revelations because Uranus hits us with surprises. It hits us with unexpected occurrences. It swings the pendulum back and forth between progress and also regression. And we often think of Uranus associated with its home sign of Aquarius, where it's interested in progress, where it's interested in moving things forward. But as I always say, Uranus is an equal opportunity shitster. 
I think of him as your favorite real housewife. Some weeks you hate her and some weeks you love her, but she always moves the story forward. And we are seeing Uranus's fingerprints all over this week. We'll get more into that. But there's a grand trine in fire this week that includes Eris. I'm not even going to get into Eris. Just know that I looked into all of the asteroids and planets that can be associated with war. I did a serious deep dive for this podcast this week. And we do have a grand trine on Tuesday when I'm recording involving Eris. And Eris is the female version of Mars. Um, she is the one that demoted Pluto. We're going to talk about her more next week. She's involved in a little argument with Pluto all this year. But that's for next week. We've got plenty to work with this week. Just know that there's a lot of fire. And when we have a grand trine in fire, it can feel like too much fire. It can feel like, oh my gosh, I'm jumping out of my skin. Now, sometimes when there is a ton of energy, like there is this week, and things are moving really fast, some of us will respond by going into overdrive, and some of us will respond by falling asleep. And remember, I talked about consciousness and staying awake. If you feel like you just need to go to sleep and tag out for a little bit, please take care of yourself. That is super important. I know that sounds like it's going against what I said at the top of this show, but I think you all are smart enough to understand nuance. And we deal with a lot of nuance because astrology is not cut and dry. So you can be a warrior for consciousness and also know when it's time to go to bed and take care of yourself. On Monday, we had Venus move into Libra that is giving us some air. And what does air do? Air makes fire burn brighter. So that's why things are really feeling like they're going fast, fast, fast. So Venus is at home in Libra, where she feels she can indulge in her beauty regimen and make everything feel good. She loves to be wooed and be romantic, but she's also a fighter for fairness and equality. So she can do both at once. If you are familiar with the goddesses in Hinduism, Lakshmi, who is sort of the Hindu equivalent to Venus, she has many hands. One is holding the coins, one is holding the flower, one is holding the water, one is holding something else. She's got many hands holding many things. So Venus doesn't have to be one thing. Venus in Libra can be the attorney fighting for the rights of someone who is being overlooked. Venus in Libra can also be the personal stylist. So you might fall somewhere on that spectrum in the middle this week. But the cool thing about Venus being back in Libra is that compromise is cool again. So Venus loves compromise when she's in Libra. Venus was in Virgo where she's more interested in being right, but now she's in Libra where she's interested in hearing your side of the story. So this is really good news, especially for what's going on in the world. There's going to be some opportunity for negotiation and conversation. Now, Mercury and Mars, they are meeting up on Wednesday. And this is pretty important because Mercury and Mars, this is the first of three meetups that are going to have because Mercury is going to retrograde in the fall. So pay attention to what's going on this Wednesday because that story might come back a couple of times this fall. They're meeting up in Virgo, where it's all about the details. They're going to meet up in Libra and then Scorpio. Pay attention to the details this Wednesday. When Mars and Mercury come together in Virgo, they're really exact. They're super accurate. If you have to look over some numbers, Wednesday is a great day to do it. If you have to um, do anything that is detailed, oriented, Wednesday is a good day to do it. It's discerning. There's a discernment with Mars and Mercury together in Virgo. There's also a lot of judgment. So you might be feeling judgy and, you know, that's comes with the territory sometimes, but make sure that you lean into Venus and Libra and remember to listen to the other person's side of the story too. So Mercury and Mars together also is super productive and helps you make a plan. 
This is pretty cool because as I said, things are going fast and they're moving forward quickly. So Mercury and Mars, they're going to have a conversation on Wednesday and they're going to talk about their plan. They're going to put it into place and they're going to get the spreadsheets out and the pencils and draft a plan. And then Mercury is going to meet up with Uranus on Friday. I'm kind of skipping ahead, but we'll come back and he's going to deliver the message. He's going to say, Mars and I, we made a plan. We know what we want to do, and this is what we're going to do. And you're going to help us do it. Because Mercury and Mars later this week, this weekend, they are going to trine Uranus, which is a harmonizing transit, which means that Uranus, the change maker, who is stationed this week, so we're really feeling him. He is swinging that pendulum of change. We are feeling it. On one hand, we feel like we are progressing forward so quickly we can barely get our bearings. And on the other hand, we feel like he is pulling us back into the dark ages. We're getting both of those right now. It's very disconcerting. It's very unsettling. Mercury trine Uranus. Mercury is going to say, hey, Mars and I, we came up with a plan. You're going to help us put it into action. This is how we're going to approach the change. So back to Thursday. So Sun opposite Jupiter can give us that moment of, oh my gosh, I just figured it out, or everything feels like it's falling into place. This is exactly how I want this to be. It, there's a sense of good luck or fortune or abundance when we're working with Jupiter and when the sun is illuminating Jupiter. But the other side of the coin, because all of these transits, all of these planets, all of these signs have a low vibration and a high vibration. The low vibration is overconfidence, arrogance. This is an annual transit. We get it every year. So it's something to pay attention to. How do you experience sun opposite Jupiter? Now, the sun obviously is at eight degrees Leo, so we're all feeling a little bit overconfident, for perhaps. And Jupiter is the late degrees of Aquarius. So it's playing into that polarity of me versus we, which is a lot of what's going on right now because we have a full moon in Aquarius, which means the sun is going to be in Leo at 29 degrees and the moon's going to be at 29 degrees Aquarius. And the Leo Aquarius polarity, which we've been working with for four weeks now, is all about how can I shine and also do it in a way that encourages other people to shine just as brightly? How can I show up and be a positive impact for the community, for the society, for the whole, for my family, for whatever group you're a part of? It's about allowing yourself to stand out, but not in a way that hurts the whole, that hurts the group. That polarity, sun in Leo, which can be a little self-involved at times, opposite Jupiter, can make you feel a little bit overconfident, maybe indulgent. Sometimes with Jupiter, it can be indulgent instead of overconfident. So pay attention on Thursday to how you're feeling and lean into the part of Jupiter that expands your mind, that allows your philosophy and your belief system to really be expanded and explored in new ways. This is a huge opportunity for expanding that sense of consciousness. This can be in a transit that brings a sense of enlightenment, and that is super exciting. Overall, I think it's probably a good thing. Now, of course, all week we're feeling that Uranus station. And so when a planet stations, it basically means that it stops in the sky, turns around, and changes directions. That's the station to retrograde. When a planet goes direct, it stations, turns around, and goes direct. But there's a feeling like something is grinding to a halt when it stations. And that's the feeling I think we're getting in terms of globally what's going on. So in your own personal life, you might feel that grinding to a halt. But based on people I'm talking to, it seems that things are really moving fast on a personal level the grinding to a halt feels like there's this information coming in that just makes us have to say, oh my God, stop in your tracks, totally startled, 
that kind of halting. There's a sense of feeling like so much is on the line. There's so much that is pressing. There's so much that is high stakes and we have to pay attention to it and it's overwhelming. And that's my experience of the Uranus station that we're having. Now, Uranus is as close to 15 degrees as he's going to get until he actually gets there May 8th, 2022. 15 degrees is the world point. So 15 degrees of the fixed signs is the world point. And whenever a planet activates the world point, there's something global that we feel. Something happens on a global level. And so we saw this over the past few days with the earthquake in Haiti. We saw it last week with the UN climate report that came out. We saw it in Afghanistan. That's the biggest example. But there is a lot of pressing high stakes stuff that is demanding our attention right now. And that is why we have to stay awake. So even though this Uranus station is not the most delightful, the intensity of it will die down, I promise you. But the resulting ramifications of the information that it is exposing will not go away. So we're going to have to make a plan to deal with it. But we're really lucky because we've got Mars and we got Mercury hanging out in Virgo. And there's nothing that Virgo loves more than making a plan. So we can do this. We just have to stay awake to do the work. So Uranus is going to be retrograde until January 18th, 2022. It's going to be an opportunity to review and reflect on all the ways your life has changed since summer 2020, because that was the last time that Uranus was back at 10 degrees, which is where he's going to retrograde to. It's going to be a nice opportunity for getting some insights on what your Saturn Uranus square story is. So you know from listening to the podcast, if you've been here for a little bit, and if you're new, welcome. If you're new, you really chose to listen on quite a day because this is some (laughs) deep, intense stuff we're talking about today. But the Saturn Uranus square is the defining transit of the year. It's happening three times. We've already had two. We're going to have the third one in December. We each have our own Saturn Uranus story. There's some part of your life that you are building a new structure, that you're building a new foundation for, that you're progressing forward so that you can have a new solid floor to build your life on as we move forward into 2022. That's exciting stuff, but it's not easy. So we're working with that. And this Uranus retrograde is going to help you slow down to actually see what the changes are that you've made already and give yourself a pat on the back because I'm sure that you've shifted a ton of things in your life and I'm sure it was really hard since last summer, 2020. And it's going to give you a little bit of insight as to what has to shift going forward so that you can start to make those plans once Saturn goes direct because Saturn is retrograde. And when Uranus goes retrograde this Thursday, that means that all of the planets from Jupiter out are going to be retrograde, which means that we're going to be doing a lot of reviewing and reflecting, even as the personal planets keep trudging forward. So we're going to have to keep taking action, but not without looking to the past and learning from where we've been. I got to thinking about this whole Uranus thing this weekend because I was listening to Christopher Renstrom, who's a astrologer that I really like. And he has a wonderful book that I often recommend called The Cosmic Calendar. And I was thinking that maybe we're looking at this whole Saturn Uranus thing wrong because so often we say, okay, Uranus is about progress. It wants to move forward. But Uranus is in Taurus. Taurus doesn't want to move forward. Taurus wants things to stay the same. I know because my mother is a Taurus. Trust me. Saturn is in Aquarius. Aquarius is where Uranus likes to be. Aquarius is interested in innovation and progress and moving things forward for the society and for humanity. Saturn might actually be the good guy in the equation. And I 
know that I often say that Saturn can be a wet blanket, but he's always there for our greater good. It just might not feel good on the journey. But he's really the one that's helping you build for the future. And Uranus in Taurus is creating a slower change. It's a slow change that's going to be long lasting, but it's really throwing us for some loops. Sometimes we demonize Saturn, we put him down, we say, oh my gosh, Saturn returns, Saturn transits so intense, but truly Saturn is always there to help us grow, to be a more responsible better version of ourself. Let's all just take a moment and thank Saturn for all the ways he has forced us to grow up and we'll continue on his journey through Aquarius. So on Friday, Mercury talks to Uranus, delivers the message. On Sunday, Mars is going to try and Uranus. And so Mars is going to say, hey, I know you talked to Mercury. You got the plan of action. Now let's start to take some action. You're going to feel a burst of energy perhaps on Sunday when Mars trines Uranus. This can also make you a little accident prone because you get so excited to get out there and do stuff. So be careful. This whole week, you want to be really aware. Do not text and walk on the city streets. Don't take stupid risks this week. When Uranus is stationing and he's making his presence known, surprises abound. So you really want to just be awake. Remember, we're always we're going back to that idea of consciousness, not only in the sense of revelations, but also in the mundane sense of stay awake, keep your eyes open and look both ways when you cross the street. On Sunday, we have so much happening. Not only is Mars trying Uranus, but we have the full moon in Aquarius, our second one at 29 degrees Leo, conjunct the fixed star Regulus. Oh my goodness. We have a kite in the chart for the full moon that involves the nodes, Saturn and Venus, lots of air. So this full moon is really about taking all the work we've done this Leo season and communicating it and creating connection with other people. Jupiter is going to be conjunct the moon. And when I cast the chart for New York, where I am, it has a Virgo rising. Now that's not going to be the same everywhere. So if you're in Hong Kong or Dubai or London, you're going to have a different chart for the full moon and what it looks like. But here in New York, where I am, it's a Virgo rising, which means that Mars and Mercury and the sun are all in the 12th house. So I think this full moon is going to be illuminating some stuff that we haven't looked at before, that we haven't seen, that we now have an opportunity to see because all these planets from Jupiter on out are all retrograde. I think this could be an enlightening full moon that could offer some aha revelations, which again is my theme for the week because there is going to be so much information coming at you. It's a nice full moon. It's actually a lot nicer than the first Aquarius full moon. But again, you want to pay attention to all of the things that have come up over the past four weeks. What's been going on for you? How does that Leo Aquarius polarity, the me versus the we play into your story? And what are you ready to release? Because full moons always encourage us to release something that's holding us back from reaching that next level in the you know, video game of life, right? What's holding you back from taking the next step forward? And full moons help us release that extra junk so that we can freely take the next step forward. Okay. The other thing is the full moon has a nice Uranus, a well-aspected Uranus. So Uranus is not going to be under any stress and that's good because he's causing a lot of trouble this week. So we don't need him under any additional stress. Also, that square between Saturn and Uranus is as wide as it's going to be this year. So that should also be a little bit of a relief. And now I know that's so hard to believe that there's going to be any relief because things feel so intense right now, but I promise relief will come. And then right after the full moon, the sun is going to move into Virgo. 
And we're going to talk about that next week because there's so much on the agenda this week that I can't even dive into that. But you know I love Virgo season. I'm a moon in Virgo girl. And you know I love to purge my closet, get some KonMari going, and indulge in all of the Virgo perfectionist stuff. So we're going to enjoy some Virgo talk next week. All right, so let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to do our deep dive into the USA chart and our involvement in Afghanistan. Hey, did you know that you can practice yoga with me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as well as two Sundays a month? In online yoga club, I take the practice of yoga and the ancient wisdom tradition of astrology and bring them together and we practice in collaboration with the planets. I hope you'll join me. You can find all the details at veronicaparetti.com slash yoga. So a few weeks ago, I did an episode where at the last 10 minutes or so, I talked about the Pluto return for the U.S. chart. I recommend listening to that after this because it has a lot uh, to do with what's going on in the astrology for the USA right now. Now, I know a lot of people that listen to the podcast are not American and they're not based in the U.S., but most of my listeners are in the U.S. and most of you are American. So when I say our for the next few minutes, you know that I am talking about myself and Americans as a whole. So the full moon that is occurring this weekend is conjunct the natal moon of the USA. So the USA has its own chart and it is often termed the Sibylle chart. And the chart is cast for July 4th, 1776. And there is a widely agreed upon time that the last signature, or maybe it was the first signature, was placed on the Declaration of Independence, and that is the birth of our nation. And so when we're talking about countries, it's really interesting to look at a country because countries have transits that hit them that you and I will never experience unless technology really advances in the next few decades and somehow we get to live 200 plus years. But countries experience a lot more transits of the outer planets because they are around for hundreds of years. So with the U.S., we're approaching our first Pluto return because by and large, we're a pretty young country. And Pluto takes 248 years to go around the zodiac. This is an interesting time to be an American. This is an interesting time to watch what's happening in America and our involvement with the world. And there's a lot of things that we can look at in terms of the patterns of America's involvement with Afghanistan. And a lot of it has to do with Saturn and a lot of it has to do with the nodes. And that's pretty important because Saturn represents responsibility. It also represents karma and the nodes, the North node and the South node, they represent karma and Dharma. Karma is the stuff we brought in from our past lives. It's also our experiences and what we've already done. And Dharma is what we're meant to do, what we incarnated to do and where we need to grow. So there's a lot of destiny and fate that has to do with the nodes. So when I talk about astrology, I often say you dictate your fate. And I think 90% of life is free will. But 10% is out of our control. And the stuff that's out of our control usually has to do with the nodes and usually has to do with Pluto. And both of those are pretty involved in what's happening here. So the full moon this week is conjunct the natal moon of the U.S. at 26 degrees Aquarius. The full moon's at 29 degrees Aquarius. In the USA chart, the moon is conjunct Pallas Athena 
And I don't always use asteroids, but I pulled up the asteroids that have to do with war because I thought that was important. And Pallas Athena is the goddess of prudent warfare as well as wisdom. So really interesting that the goddess of prudent warfare and wisdom is conjunct the moon of the USA chart because are we prudent warriors? I'm not sure, but it is interesting nonetheless. So our natal Uranus is on the descendant of the USA chart and the transiting North node is conjunct our natal Uranus. As you've been listening to the podcast this week, Uranus is really a big part of this conversation because Uranus is is stationing pretty close to that world point of 15 degrees Taurus. And we are unexpectedly in this situation where the U.S. has to evacuate people from the country of Afghanistan much more quickly than they anticipated. Whether or not you agree as to whether or not they had the information or whether or not they should have been doing it months ago. I'm not really here today to talk about what I agree with and what's right and what's wrong. I'm really just giving you the astrological patterns and cycles and how it aligns with what's happening and what has happened. And I saw something that Hillary Rushford said on Instagram and I thought it was so powerful. She said, Everyone's going to want to play the blame game of it's Obama's fault, it's Trump's fault, it's Bush's fault, it's Biden's fault. But we all have a common enemy here, which is the Taliban taking over this country and taking away the rights of women that were hard fought for over 20 years. So regardless of the foreign policy and the politics of it, it is really helpful to remember that All of us want the same thing right now, which is for the people of that country to be safe and for them to be able to live as free as possible and to make choices for their life. And yeah, so moving on. Saturn is conjunct the natal south node of the U.S. in Aquarius. So this indicates a release of an old commitment a move toward individual interests. So the North node of the U S is in Leo and the South node is in Aquarius. Leo is the sign of the individual, the star on the stage of life. And the South node in Aquarius is the group. Whenever you have nodes in your chart, you have to balance them. So even though your work, your Dharma in this world is to go toward the North node, you have to still satisfy the South node. This could be part of the reason that as a country with these military exercises, we often get bogged down in nation building because the Aquarius South Node says, I can help. I can make this whole thing better for everyone that lives here. But the North Node says, no, I have to really do what's right for me because it's in Leo. So that's an interesting dichotomy that we see playing out, that balance of me and we. And we're feeling it deeply right now because so much of what's been going on the past four weeks has been happening on this axis of Leo and Aquarius. We had two full moons back to back in Aquarius. The first one at the very beginning of Leo season, just about four weeks ago, and the second one coming on Sunday. So the fact that two full moons, full moons indicate a need for release. And the fact that two full moons in Aquarius occurred, and we as a nation have our south node in Aquarius, south node is what you need to release, what you need to let go of the past. It's pretty interesting, right? Now, this is all playing out in the second house of our values. We also have Pluto, our Pluto return is happening there. So Pluto natally is in that second house for the U.S. chart, and Pluto return is happening, which is that it's been almost 250 years since Pluto was here before, and so now he's back, and he's transiting that second house. So we are going through a transformation of deciding what our values are and what our values are going to be for the next 248 years. Now, Neptune is also involved in this. Now, some of us will have a Neptune opposition, which means Neptune in the sky is opposing our natal Neptune when we get to our mid-80s. But 
most of you that are listening have not reached it and I haven't either. So (laughs) thankfully. So, you know, this is interesting when you have a natal opposition, it creates a lot of confusion. It can create an increase of consciousness and empathy and compassion, but you have to be willing to let go of your old ideas. And that can be really hard. And when you're not interested in letting go of your old ways of seeing things, it can lead to a sense of defeat or illness that can cloud your ability to see clearly. And a lot of that comes from this wonderful book that I use called Planets in Transit. So when I looked at the Neptune opposition, I was taken by some of that information that I paraphrased because we are sick as a nation. We have been hit really hard by the pandemic. We are not seeing clearly. And there is a sense of feeling defeat after 20 years in Afghanistan. I think we all feel a sense of shame that we're leaving those women in such dire straits. So now we're going backwards. I don't know if you caught on, but we're going backwards. So I started with where we are in present day and we're going to start moving backwards in time because I just thought that was the easiest way to approach this deep dive. On November 17th, 2020, that was when the Trump administration announced the withdrawal or the drawdown of troops in Afghanistan. And there were already very few troops there. About 2,500 is what the reports say over the past few months. We had a new moon in Scorpio on November 15th, 2020. We just had the first quarter moon in Scorpio, August 15th, 20. And that was the day the Taliban took over. They took control of Kabul. This is pretty interesting because moon cycles, there are various ways to look at the lunar cycles. One is new moon, full moon to the next new moon. But another way to look at the moon cycle is new moon in Scorpio to the next first quarter moon in Scorpio to the next full moon in Scorpio and so on. So we had a new moon in Scorpio, November 15th. We had the first quarter moon in Scorpio, August 15th. And now we're going to have a full moon in Scorpio, May 16th, 2022. That will be the apex of this energy. We're going to see the real culmination of that decision. What are the ramifications? How is this playing out? The peak of that decision from November 17th, 2020, we're going to see that in May. So it's going to take a few months for us to really be able to see what's going on here clearly. Now, when we go back a little bit further historically, we can go back to when bin Laden was assassinated, May 2nd, 2011. The USA was going through its eighth Saturn return. So if you thought that your Saturn return at 29 years old was hard, imagine going through eight of them. So the USA has been through eight Saturn returns. One day I will do the deep dive on what happened at each of those Saturn returns, but I had a lot on my plate today. So the USA's natal Saturn is in Libra, which is interesting. Venus just moved into Libra and Libra is about fairness and equality and working with your partners. Having that eighth Saturn return in Libra, it was in the 10th house. That's where our Saturn is as a country. There were five planets in Aries. Aries is the sign most associated with masculine energy and war. Uranus was one of the planets that was in Aries when bin Laden was killed May 2nd, 2011. Pluto was conjunct our natal Eris. We're going to talk about Eris next week on the podcast, but Eris is like the equivalent of Mars, but female. And she is the goddess warrior. She's tough. And so when Pluto in the sky was conjunct Eris, that is definitely a sign of some sort of conflict. So really interesting that that all happened on our eighth sun and return as a country. The North Node was in Sagittarius. Now the nodes are really important because the nodes give us an indication of where things are moving forward and where we might be getting stuck in the past. As I mentioned at the top of this breakdown, 
Saturn is conjunct our natal south node in Aquarius right now. So there is a sense of feeling a responsibility of letting go of something from the past. At the time Bin Laden was killed, the North Node was in Sagittarius and the South Node was conjunct the natal Mars of the U.S. So really interesting stuff because right now we have the North Node in Gemini in the sky. At the time Bin Laden was killed, the nodes were flipped and the North Node was in Sagittarius, South Node was in Gemini. Now, when he was killed and the South Node was conjunct the natal Mars in Gemini, it's really interesting because our Mars is square, our natal Neptune. And what that says to me, if I were to look at the USA chart as a person, I would say your Mars is square, your Neptune, which means that sometimes you get sidetracked or confused about what action to take, especially because Mars is in Gemini, which means you might always feel like you're chasing two rabbits. And that's very hard. Because Gemini rules the twins. There's always multiple when we're talking about Gemini. So having Mars and Gemini square Neptune, which rules confusion, you're always confused about what action to take. And Mars is our warrior. It rules how we act in battle. So if you're always getting sidetracked and confused and losing your vision in war, that can be really troublesome. And that is a pattern that we're seeing in the history of our country, Vietnam and now Afghanistan. There is a sense of losing the vision of why we're in the war. So that was May 2011. Now, we invaded Afghanistan with a bombing campaign on October 7th, 2001. This is where the nodes really show up as a powerful part of the story because at the time the north node was at zero degrees cancer now we're at cancer country the sun is in cancer it was in cancer july 4th obviously when we were born the north node was at zero degrees cancer but just a few days later on october 13th the north node moved into 29 degrees Gemini. So now the nodes move backwards. So the node moved into 29 degrees Gemini. And that was really when that war on terror escalated. So for all intents and purposes, we began the war on terror with the node newly in Gemini. And we are ending this presence in Afghanistan after 20 years with the North Node getting ready to leave Gemini, because the North Node is at early degrees Gemini right now. In a few months, the North Node is going to move into Taurus. So we are looking at a full cycle from one North Node in Gemini experience to the next North Node in Gemini experience. So it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. You know, it takes 19 years for the nodes to move around the zodiac. So again, the timing is not exact because September 11th happened when the node in the sky was at zero degrees or close to zero degrees cancer, which has a lot to do with the fact that we're a cancer country and it changed the direction of this country. By and large, we got to live for many years post-World War II post-Vietnam, I suppose, where we got to feel pretty safe. And then even with Vietnam, it wasn't happening here. So that was pretty, pretty long time to feel safe in your home. And then, of course, September 11th happened and all our lives were changed forever. And that was our North Node and Cancer experience. And then the next couple of days later, the North Node moved into Gemini. And what does Gemini rule? Gemini rules your local community. Opposite Gemini is Sagittarius, which rules global travel, our relationship with foreign entities. So you can imagine that that has a lot to do with what was going on with our presence and the war in Afghanistan. So 
The other thing that was going on when we invaded Afghanistan was that the sun was conjunct our natal Saturn in Libra. So again, Saturn is showing up because Saturn represents karma. And the sun was illuminating our Saturn. Saturn was at 14 degrees Gemini in the sky at that time. Trine our natal Saturn at 14 degrees Libra. So we were having Saturn in the sky, exactly trying Saturn in our natal chart of the U.S. So that's pretty powerful. There was a great sense of responsibility. Jupiter was also conjunct the sun at 13 degrees cancer. That's where the natal sun is for the U.S., which can make you overconfident. It can make you a little bit arrogant. So you can see with all of these elements that are in the U.S. chart, and how they're playing with the planets and the nodes moving through the sky, how the chart of the U.S. was being activated, the actions that our government took and the circumstances that we were working with, you know, being under attack. So I hope that was helpful for you. I know it's a lot of information. I know I got a little bit into the astrology weeds because I can't help it. There's just so much. It's an overwhelming amount of information. I did quite the deep dive on this, but I felt like it was important. And I feel like understanding our karma and our dharma as a nation, understanding the natal chart of our nation is helpful so that we can be the most aware, most active, most conscious citizens that we can be. So I encourage you to show up in your local community, to contact your representatives, tell them what you want, demand that they come through for the things that you believe in, for the bills that you want them to support. And in the short term, let's send our love and prayers and meditations and as much energy as we can to the people of Afghanistan, I know that sometimes that can feel a little bit like woo-woo stuff, but there are a lot of studies about how when collectively we come together and we meditate or we pray, it really can make positive impacts. And when people feel loved, when people feel valued, they act better. We know that, right? So most people that act in a way that is hurtful or violent is because they are themselves wounded, hurting, and self-loathing. So the more that we can align our own centers, be as self-loving and compassionate to ourselves as possible so that we can show up in the world and be as loving and compassionate to other people as possible, that will ripple out. I truly believe that. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this was helpful. I know it's a super long podcast. Thanks for hanging in there with me and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple podcasts and tell your friends. Finally, come find me on Instagram at Veronica Peretti. I'll talk to you next week.